Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Road Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today um, I kind of got inspired by um, Pastor Tim's testimony. Because he said that all of our testimonies are never really finished. And um, I guess this is me adding another part to mine. I hope you all listen. I hope you all can relate. And um, I know you guys give me respect. I respect you back. I don't have to ask that you can, you should treat me with respect. I know you guys do. So I hope you listen. That's all I gotta say. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, um, contact me on any of the links down in the description below. And if you have a testimony or if you have a life story that you would like to tell on this radio uh, podcast, please email me and I will gladly, I will be honored to share your story on here. Um, But anyways, let's get into it. So a lot of this is going to be the things that I have not told you. Because I, even though I might say that I don't care what people think of me, I do care to an extent. I leave things out, of course, to make sure that it is received well, and of course, nobody is going to leave or put in every single detail of their life story. It's just not going to happen. There's always going to be something that's left out. But today, I will be talking about my life growing up in the church that I grew up in and also the relationships that I formed that have either hurt me, made me feel better about myself, you know, that lifted me up, or um, that have just kind of come and gone. And um, so yes, that's what we're going to be talking about. As you guys know, if you guys uh, did listen to the first part, or the first and second part of my episodes of my testimony. You will know that I grew up in a church. I grew up in a religious family. I grew up in a family where you weren't allowed to say, oh my God, you weren't allowed to say the GD word. You weren't allowed to say God, like, oh my God, no. Like, oh God, you weren't allowed to say any of that stuff. And uh, I would always be um, reprimanded by my family saying, oh, you shouldn't say God's name in vain. You shouldn't say, you know, God unless you're praying or talking to him. And now that I've kind of grown up, I kind of know that God knows the difference God knows the difference between you talking to him and you not talking to him. I'm not saying that it's a good thing to say, oh my God. I mean, to be honest, I don't think God cares about that. I mean, God is all-knowing and he is all-present and all of that stuff. So you think you would know... Or you think that, you know, God would know when and where, you know, you're talking to him and letting him know about your life. (laughs) Um, But no, that's how I grew up. Always had to pray before I ate my food. Um, We were really big on believing in the rapture and the rapture scared the living daylights out of me when I was a child 
because I remember um, my family found this old 60s movie about the rapture and how life was going to be uh, after God takes his people. And uh, it, it scared the living daylights out of me as a kid because uh, when I was eight, I mean, you would think that that would be a horror movie. It, it was a horror movie to me because everybody was, you know, crashing into each other. Planes were falling because Jesus took those people right where they were at and that he put them into heaven and then the rest were there to suffer the tribulation and um the whole tribulation part really scared me because first the food would go and then uh then all of these creatures would come out and uh try to kill you or the government would try to behead you and at that time, when I was a child, my biggest fear was being left behind in the rapture. And honestly, now that I am older, um, there is no word that pertains to the rapture in the Bible. Um, I'm not saying that the rapture is not real. That still remains to be seen. But... I do believe that Jesus is going to come back, but I don't believe that it's going to be, um, I don't know. I feel like even Christians are going to go through hard times. I don't, I don't know if I believe that God's just going to spare us and take us into heaven while we watch everybody else crash and burn. I just, I don't know if I believe that. Um... But I had the hardest time believing that God loved me um, because I was in a family where I was corrected all the time and I felt less than and that would always come back to does God love me too because my family likes to correct me all of the time so is this the reflection of who God is and how much I have to please him and um, like I said it was a constant uh, building up and tearing down so some of my family would you know build me up and then all of a sudden I would get some sort of side comment from them and then everything would just come crashing down and all of that um, so when my church life, my church life um, as a child, it was very strict. <laughs> I was taught from day one to always look your best, to always look prim and proper and pretty. <laughs> um, my mother would dress me in dresses and in old lady pantsuits like I told you guys. And I remember I would cry sometimes because I just didn't want to wear a dress. I, I didn't want to wear a dress. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be a lady. I, I didn't want to look like a proper lady. I just didn't think that at that time, I didn't think it mattered that I wore a dress. I mean, I was a kid. I should have just been let to... I should have just... They should have let me wear what I wanted. But, um... Around junior high, I feel like that's when, um... A lot of that, uh... Control kind of eased off. Because I was a teenager, a preteen, and... I was able to finally wear what I wanted, and um, it still had to be modest, of course. No cleavage, <laughs> uh, no legs, no bellies, no butts sort of thing, and um, I mean, of course, that's actually, a, to me, I feel like that's a good thing, but then again, I feel like women should be proud of their bodies to the point where 
they should feel comfortable but also feel confident and that that could mean a lot of different things to different people but um I still believe in modesty of course but um I I don't keep it to an extent to where I feel judged or feel sinful when I walk out showing a body part um I I do it on my own terms now but um yeah uh <laughs> I accepted Christ when I was 8 years old and um I remember growing up in the church there would be summer camps uh so there would be a church summer camp and that is actually where i met my husband and i didn't actually realize it until a few months ago because i just kind of thought wait honey were you this kid and he's like yeah we went to the same summer camp and we didn't realize it and um oh my god that's just that's precious to me that's a precious memory now but uh i remember even in Sunday school or even in church in general I was made fun of and of course I don't like getting too much into that because of course like I said everybody's been bullied to an extent I think everybody has that s- story um but even in church even in church um I think the kids realized that I was different, that I was um strange or weird or what have you. I was unique. Uh But they I <laughs> people didn't react to me the the way that I expected them to. And um that went on even through high school and even college. <laughs> um To all of you who um felt rejected or misjudged or misunderstood in church, I completely understand. I don't even go to a church anymore. I go to a house ministry. And these people are my small circle of friends and family that love me unconditionally and want to raise me up and encourage me in my gifts. I can use my voice, I can use my writing, and I can most definitely use my podcast in order to praise the Lord. And they have given me the tools that I have always wanted to find to make my dreams come true. And they they've just given me so much and I'm so grateful for them. Um but even as a bible thumping preteen christian girl um who had this fake identity in high school that she was the most righteous person that stood up for her faith all of the time um probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way too but i mean that was that was old sarah jane that was um that was the sarah jane that didn't go through stuff <laughs> at that time um but i completely understand when people say i felt misunderstood or i don't go to church because i don't feel loved or i don't feel appreciated i don't feel important i don't feel acknowledged or i don't feel listened to um it hurts it really hurts the church to the the outside world or in society is supposed to be that place of hope where when all your hope is gone that's where you go to it's basically sanctuary when you have just been run down burnt out and you can't take it anymore that's where you're supposed to go that's how society has made church and uh 
the thing is, is that a lot of churches now are just another chamber of torture in life, and I hate it. I hate the fact that there's this some sort of unspoken etiquette that everybody should follow in order to be accepted. I hate the fact that there are churches out there that are hypocritical and even though they say God loves me and God forgives me, they will still consciously go out and do sinful things and then try to praise God the next Sunday. And I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But there's a difference between falling into temptation and also doing things um, purposefully. Um, it's called a two-sided life where you do the same things that you did before you were saved and still think that you're a Christian. And that's what I call a two-sided life. That's what I call a convenient life to where you're not losing anything. You're not sacrificing anything. You're not actually growing. You'd rather stay comfortable in your Christianity while you do these sinful things. I've been guilty of it. I know so many people have been guilty of it. Trust me. We are all people. We're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. But when you consciously do it to where it's become a normal routine for you to say terrible things to people online or drink or fall into sexual temptation all of the time, but then stumble back into church and you're in a place of authority. Maybe you're a youth pastor or somebody who leads worship. Um, how should the congregation look at you? That's what I'm saying. There's a difference between falling into temptation and consciously doing it all the time, despite your convictions. Um, so yes, I've met those people in my own church. I have been around those people in my own church. And I'm not saying that every Christian should strive to be perfect. Absolutely not. To be perfectly honest, I am the most imperfect person, I feel, in the entire world. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to put myself down. I'm saying it because all of my life, or for a very long time, I want to say for the first eight years of my life, not even the first eight years of my life, no, 29 years of my life, was dedicated to being so perfect and being accepted by God, wanting to be to be accepted by God, being loved by God, and then all of a sudden dropping it because I felt like my perfection or my work for perfection would never please God and I had the most horrible attitude towards God because of that. Um, it has gone so many different ways in my life, and I am not ashamed to say that I'm not perfect. I'm not ashamed of saying that I'm imperfect. Um, I know that God is perfect for me, so whenever I do fall, or whenever I do something terrible, or whenever I do say something that I shouldn't have, I know I can always go to God and be like, God, I'm sorry for that. I want to do better, you know? Um, God is my salvation. I can't save myself by being perfect. Um, but I have been misunderstood. I have been hurt. And I have hurt others. And I have hurt people in general. I, I know that. I, it's not... I'm not here to play the victim card. I'm not here to say, oh, I'm always the victim. People are doing things to me. Of course not. I've already talked about the things that I've done to other people that I am still ashamed of or that I'm still trying to get over. So understand that. Um, 
I've met probably every type of fake Christian in my lifetime, and um, I hated it. I, I just, I remember there were times when I would just come home from young adult group or church and I would just cry because it was just so fake to me. It was just completely fake to me to where they sing the same songs over and over and over again every single week and they ex expect different results. Um, there would be people that pretended to be my friends but would say the most horrible things behind my back and I would be drop dropped um, like a ton of bricks sometimes when it came to people um, in the church and I know for a fact that they thought that I was weird. I don't know where that came from. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it came from my parents, you know, being part of the church for so long and maybe they looked at me from the reflection of my parents in some sort of way. But I was always looked at with suspicion or with a judging eye. And even when I did make friends, somehow there was some sort of like unknown secret. I still no I don't know. I feel like, you know how sometimes you feel like there's someone talking behind your back but you don't know the secret? Like you don't know what they're saying? That's how I felt in my own church. The very church that I grew up in. That's how I felt. I felt like every time I went into a young adults group, I felt like someone was talking about me. And that's not me saying that I'm the victim. It actually happened. That's me saying it's actually happened to me. Um, there have been people that have, you know, invited me to things and they would never show up and then I would confront them about it and they would say sorry but then again they would say oh you know wow I can't believe she did that or I can't believe she said that you know she does this all the time I'm like, can if you have a problem with me you can talk to me in front of my face to me someone who spreads rumors in a church? You're a coward. You are a coward. You're a coward. I know for a fact that in this church, I was looked at as the mentally ill girl. I do remember there was a time that I shared my testimony in front of my pastor and a few other people that were still, you know, that was long before the young adults group, but I talked to them in front of my pastor and in front of the people who still attended that, that um, young adults group. And I don't know whether or not that rumor spread and it stayed, but I was looked at like I was mentally ill. Like, I was the mentally ill girl, and Sarah is never going to change. She's never going to change. Don't expect anything from her. Don't get too close to her. She might hurt you. Sort of person. I feel like that's what people thought of me. And... I don't want to be hurt by it anymore. I, I, I still have... I still probably have scars from that because these are people that I grew up with, that I was in diapers with, that had these opinions about me. These are people that I considered my best friends in the church that would betray me or that would hurt me and I never understood why. I never understood why. It's because Osara's weird. And when I ended up going into college, 
going into cosmetology. I just was like, forget it. I don't want to have a relationship with God. It's, it's too hard. Um, I have to please so many people just in order for God to approve of me. And I hated it. And to be perfectly frank, I hated God at this time. I cut off all of my friends. Every single one of them. I've told you this before, but I'm trying to go in depth and I hope to God I'm not repeating myself. But I cut off everyone. Not just the people from church. Not just the people that I grew up with in my life. But I cut off people in high school who supported me too. Who loved me. I cut them off. Because if the people in the church were saying the same thing, what were my real friends saying? What were they saying about me? What did they think of me? And it just seemed easier to cut everybody off all at once and start over again. It just felt easier. And, um... There were times when I did go to church still. Still holding out the hope that I would make a friend that I would, um... That would end up loving me unconditionally. That wouldn't think I was weird. That would think of me as a normal person or, you know, loved me for me. And I was... I misjudged them because at this time, a few years went by um, after all the other incidents. So when I returned, this place um, had a young adults group called Kairos. And some of them were good and most of them were good. Most of them were amazing. They, I love them still. <laughs> we're still friends today. Oh my god. Um, but some of them were bad. Some of them were bad people. Or I shouldn't say they're bad, but they, they did mistreat me. We'll just say that. Um, the young adult's pastor put his heart and soul into his ministry. Put his heart and his soul and his spirit and everything in him. Every fiber of his being was dedicated to this ministry. And even I misjudged him at that time. That, oh, he's just... One of those charismatic young adult preachers that is not going to notice me, that's not gonna, you know, care about me. Um, but I was completely wrong, and we are still friends today, and you know who you are. I hope you're listening. But, uh... That's where I met my husband. <laughs> um, my husband was the youth pastor's friend, or not the youth pastor, but the young adult's pastor's best friend. And at this time, I didn't know that I met him before. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything at all. And this is where I met him. But um, I was very closed off, and even the pastor knew that. Um, there are people, there were people there that did recognize how scarred I was and how upset I was about literally everything. I was, at this point, very emo, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, just to, you know, put it in a shorter term. I was, um, I always wore black. But that, that was also customary because I was in cosmetology, I always wore black and I wore these big studded boots. I just, that's how I felt on the inside, so I dressed like that on the outside. 
And I think because of that, a lot of people, you know, didn't like that or they didn't like to talk to me because I looked completely different than everybody else. That's the hard thing about society itself, even in church, that if you look completely different from everybody else, you're strange or that, uh, oh, you know, we need to look out for this person. They don't look the same. They don't look, you know, like us country club Christians here, man. They're not wearing high heels, they're wearing boots and studs. They're not wearing a dress, they're wearing, you know, jeans with holes in them. Good Lord, they must be sinful. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the mentality a lot of churches have, and I hate it. I just hate it. Like, since when does wearing certain clothes mean that you're a sinful person? I... I... <sighs> No. But, um, yep, that's how I would walk in. I would look like some sort of bleached blonde biker chick just walking into, into, into Kairos and sitting down in the back and just, I'll li I would listen and there would be times when I was convicted by the Holy Spirit, like, this sermon really hits home, but I would always push it away. Because I didn't feel worthy of even accepting it. I was conditioned to believe that I was the most unimportant person on the face of the earth. I know that I, that was probably a little dramatic, but I felt unimportant. I felt very unimportant. Um, and I just accepted it because I got tired of fighting it. I got tired of fighting for myself. Um, I got tired of speaking for myself. I just took it. I took the rumors. I um, I hated the rumors. I, I just hate when people spread rumors and not, you know, tell you what the heck is the matter with you? I mean, if you have the guts to say it behind someone's back, surely you should have this, the same guts in order to say it to their face. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to stab somebody, don't do it in the back. Do it in the heart. You know? You're a coward if you're going to do it in the back. Metaphorically speaking. And I, I grew bitter. I grew bitter. I grew very angry and very sad, very depressed. I just accepted every circumstance that came by. If I lost a job, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I lost a job or, oh, I'm in debt, whatever. Um, oh, this guy broke up with me, well, whatever. I deserve it. I deserve it. Um, so yeah, that, that was my life. Okay, it's time for a break. Even during this time of me hating rumors and hating, you know, the people in the church, not, you know, wanting to open up to them as much, I was also judging the same people that didn't judge me, you know. I had people in my life at that time in that young adults group that really did care. They were genuine, they were sweet, and we're still friends today, and I love them to pieces. Um, but all I could see was the bad. All I could see was... My mentality was, I've been hurt, 
so many times and wounded so many times by this church. And, and maybe <laughs> going to the same church over and over and over again was me just asking for more. Asking for more hurt. Asking for more. But I feel like it was just... I held out the hope that I would find a good friend. A soul friend. A friend that knew me. That, that loved me for me. And, um... But the thing is, is that I didn't let that happen. I, I didn't give people a chance. Uh, there were times when I did give people the chance and they still mistreated me. And that's probably one of the main reasons why I didn't want to get to know anybody. It was because I was just constantly hurt so many times. And I was just like, you know, I, I still want to be here because I feel like... I was hanging by a very thin rope with my relationship with God. And I just wanted something different from the same church that hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, this young adults group, or Kairos, um, it was different this time. There were people that loved me there. And they did let me know. They did let me know. Um, I know that um, I misjudged them because I was just so used to people misjudging me. So I felt like if I misjudged them, it's not going to matter to them. It's not going to... It's not going to hurt them. Look at them. You know, they are... They already think that they're awesome. Me misjudging them is not going to make any difference to them. But it did. But... I did make friends with people. There was one person that I'm just going to kind of zip through because I don't want to keep this person in, in on topic like a main topic but there was this person that came into church out of the blue out of nowhere I ended up being friends with this person and um, he ended up um, always going to different churches and I was like okay cool I'd like to go to different churches and try them out and stuff. So we would always, he would pick me up in his car and we'd go to different churches all the time. Um, and each one, he always had some sort of way of showing off. I don't want to say that, but he, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he was just very odd. Just gonna kind of zip through the details of what this person did just because it's the past I don't want to stay there um, and I hope that this person does find Jesus like the true Jesus and that he gets better but um, he put me in dangerous situations I remember we he invited me to a Christian bonfire worship service in the backyard of somebody's home that I did not know um, in the middle of a bad neighborhood and I that was the first time I ever smoked weed and that that's my fault that me putting myself in that situation was probably the worst decision I ever made in my entire life not just because of the weed but just because Everybody there was a man. Everybody there was men, and I did not know the men. I did not know any of these guys, except for the person that invited me. So I stayed close. I kept an eye on this person. I was like, I had to look to this person for help if anything did happen, and this person wasn't even reliable. Um, so that was, that was kind of scary at the time, but I do remember I thought I was... Um, badass, uh, so to speak, meaning that I could just beat everybody up who tried to do something, but 
there's just, uh, there's the thing called common sense that I lacked at that time. <laughs> uh, because I, I just didn't care what happened to me. I, I, I really hated myself at that time. And, um, I don't think that person even realized it, but yes, that's, that's what's happened. Um, and countless other things that I just care not to talk about just because, you know, it's the past and maybe this person is better. Maybe this person did find the true Jesus that he was looking for, but, um, you know, I just try to keep those stories short about certain people because I just don't want to make it sound like I'm spreading a rumor. So... I would constantly um, be on this app called IMVU or MVU or however you say it. Um, I think it stands for Instant Messaging Virtual Universe. It's basically where you have your own avatar. They have countless different chat rooms that look like fantasy lands. It was a double life for me. It was a second life for me. I could make my avatar look incredibly beautiful and um, still look like Sarah Jane behind the screen, of course. Um, but I remember my avatar. I loved her. Uh, she had white hair and pale skin and red lips and she always wore like punky, gothic, or emo sort of outfits that I had to buy with credits. <laughs> uh, please don't try to find it. I'm not on there anymore. I have a husband. I have a life. I'm not on Imvu anymore. <laughs> but, uh, I was there all of the time. Um, sometimes even during uh, classes in college because I, I just... It was a way of escaping the world that I hated. And um, I did have a couple friends that I knew in real life that were on there then that, you know, we would hang out. But um, they, they had their own lives too. And um, they weren't on as much. And that's okay. Um, but I was on this all of the time. I loved this app. And, um, it made me feel beautiful because my, my avatar was beautiful. It made me feel like I could be anybody. And it also made me feel... I'm a very imaginative person. So when it comes to making characters or when it comes to making, um, a certain thing or a certain person that I'm able to create in a world that that is just as imaginative, you get addicted to that. You get very addicted to that because I found out that you could make your avatar look incredibly different from the last look you had and I had so many different characters that I would play. I was basically in my own little storybook and I'm a writer so I do I do write stories, and um, I I loved the fact that I could live as this character that I would make up, but um, it wasn't actually me. It wasn't me, but I would rather play a character and live in this character that I made that was strong and beautiful and didn't need anybody than be that person in real life. Because in real life it was much harder. So on this app I met so many different people. Some were really, really sweet and we're still friends to this day. And yes, they're safe, they're wonderful people, but there are very, very dark people that I have met on this app that I just I uh, I yeah no like it was a big nope for me for some of these people uh I won't go into everything that I did okay because some things are just 
should be left to be unsaid. I would love to bear all, but um, I won't say too much. I will say that in these rooms, I did some things with strangers. Okay. And because of that, I met very strange people. And one person in particular, I entered this room that I would go to when I was super, super, super depressed. And I met this person, and this guy just took to me like water. Because my avatar was dressed up in a toothless hoodie, and he just thought that was just adorable. And we got to talking, and we ended up um, finding out that we were both Christian people in this room that we shouldn't have been in. I will leave that up to the imagination for you, because I'm ashamed of even talking about it, so yeah, we're not going to talk about that. But yeah, I was in this chat room, and um, I met this guy, we exchanged Facebooks, and we would talk. This guy probably hurt me the most out of any guy that I knew before, you know, I met my husband who is just the sweetest, sweetest person I know. So gentle and so sweet. I'm so thankful that I have him. Uh, but this person uh, I met just before I met my husband. So apparently he was a Christian. He did street ministry. Uh, he protested against abortions on the street, and he gave to the poor. He did a lot of humanitarian things with his church. He would do active things in the youth group with his church. Um, and he also, you know, he just did, he just seemed like an all-around good person. He just seemed like he was an incredible person. Like, there was nothing that I could complain about except for this one thing that that inspired us to be in the same room together online, okay? So, he had a way of having a conversation with me where if I would not let him in, like, if I wouldn't talk too much about my life or because I did uprightly say that I did not trust him because he's a guy online and he took offense to that and because of that there would be times where he would start talking to me and then he would find a way to make me feel like complete dumpster fire trash and he said it in such an elegant way that I believed it he had a very good talent of making me feel that everything was my fault when it when you know him and I were involved in anything in a conversation or if I disagreed with something um, he had a very big spirit of offense and many other spirits that clung to him that he he had at the time that um, that tortured me mentally. There was a time around my 28th birthday he made this conversation all about him. On my 28th birthday, my, I was with my family, I was, you know, just trying to have a good time, and I was trying to talk him down from denying his faith in God, or suicide. I can't remember which one. 
and I was in such a panicked state that I believed that if I did not successfully talk him down from hurting himself, that it would, I would blame myself for it. I thought that that would be my fault. I was um, brainwashed by this person so much uh, to the fact where I thought that I, I was going to be the one to hurt him even though he was going to hurt himself. And uh, it scared me. It hurt me um, on my on my birthday. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect my birthday to go that way, but um, I just remember talking to him as calmly as I could, and then you know I had some relief, like okay, so he's not gonna do it. That's good, and I enjoyed the rest of the day. But it stressed me out very, very badly. And um, I did not know what to do. Um, I kept it a secret from my family because I knew my family, I felt like they would judge me. I felt like they were just going to say the same thing over and over again to me. Like, this is a sin, you shouldn't be doing this, Sarah. You shouldn't be talking to guys online. You don't know who they are. Of course I know that. Of course I know that. I know that. I know that. I don't need to be told the same thing over and over again. I need to be told that I was loved at that time and I didn't have to talk to people like that. By the end of my trip to my grandmother's house for a for my birthday, my husband texts me out of the blue on my phone and he said, happy birthday. And that, my friends, my renegades, my listeners, started it all. It started it all. Him and I would have phone call conversation. We would talk all of the time. And he knew that I was battling some things with myself, mentally and spiritually. But he stayed. <laughs> and even to this day, he would say that there were times of him backing out, like he wanted to back out. But God told him to stay and love me through it. I'm so glad he stayed. You have no idea what, I don't know, I don't know what your life is like, but I mean, do you, do you know what it's like to have everything around you cave in on itself and you're in the middle of it and then all of a sudden, God gives you hope, lifts you out of that hole that you dug yourself in. I have talked to you guys about my husband many, many times, and I'm so proud of him. I'm proud to talk about him. I'm proud of everything that he does, and I love him with every fiber of my being. He is my... He is everything to me. And he's shown me that God is not a judging God. My God loves me and that he's not going to send me to hell if I think a bad thought. He's not going to send me to hell if I accidentally forget to pray over my food. Or he's not going to send me to hell if I don't dress properly to go to church. There's religion and then there's the true God. And I hope to God that everybody that's listening is able to find Jesus, the real Jesus. Because I have been in church all of my life, all of my life. And 
I was still hurting. I was still upset. I still felt unloved. But even when my husband and I started dating and then when we got engaged, he started telling me about his friends and how they thought of me. And what they thought of me. There are two people in particular, you know who you are, <laughs> that told my husband to date me because I was a good person. <sighs> there are people that I'm friends with now that were actually speaking on my behalf to my husband before he even decided to marry me. Sorry, I know I'm staying quiet for a little bit. I don't I don't like I don't like crying at all. I don't like crying, especially on the radio on my podcast. So give me a minute. Let me say something real quick to those people who did that. You're in my heart forever. And all of the times that I haven't been acknowledged by other people, I acknowledge you. And I respect the living crap out of you. <laughs> no, I do. I respect you so much for that. I don't know how to thank those people. I, I don't know how to say how much I appreciate you speaking on my behalf without me knowing it. I love you to the deepest part of my heart. And I'm not saying that to be dramatic. I'm not even, I'm not, I don't have a dramatic bone in my body. I really do appreciate and I love you very much for that. I know I left some stuff out. Trust me. If and when the time is right, if God calls me to say something, I will say something. I will make a part four. The main reason why I wanted to share this is because, for one, my testimony does not end. It doesn't end at a certain point. I'm still bettering myself. I'm still enduring. I'm still going through stuff. And I feel the need to share with you guys because not just because I feel like people will relate and people will um, understand and be encouraged by it. But I am not a professional podcast uh, host. I am not a person that is, you know, professional, prim, proper. I, I, I can't offer you that. The one thing that I can offer you is me being real with you. And I know that my listeners appreciate that. I want to be a radio host that you can relate to. 
I want you to know that I'm human too. And showing my vulnerability to my listeners is the only way to do that. I want my listeners to feel close and understand that they can come to me with their stories or with anything that they're struggling with. Me and my husband, we will do our best to talk to you about whatever you're going through. Because I know that there are people hurting out there and we just want to help. But I think I'm going to call an end to this uh, episode and I will see you in the trenches next time. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much.